Hello, and welcome to Unconditional Love Fellowship with Bishop Malcolm Smith. This is episode number 124, Overflowing Life. For more information and more teachings by Malcolm Smith, including books, MP3 downloads, and videos, please visit www.malcolmsmith.org. And now, Bishop Malcolm Smith. The Lord be with you all, and take this opportunity to pray a great new year of blessing, the richest blessing of God upon you all. And in the light of that, I want to share with you what I will call a principle of Scripture. That is, I'm going to begin in the very first chapter of the Bible and move through the Bible and show how what I'm going to be talking about just builds and builds and builds until it reaches us in the New Covenant. And so in the very first chapter of the Bible, it tells us uh, there's the going forth of the Word of God, for creation came from nothing to something by the Word of God. And so that's the, the expression we find in the beginning of Genesis, and God said, and God said. And that is accompanied by the Holy Spirit, and in our Bibles it says, moved on the face of the, the deep. And that word moved is elsewhere translated a hovered, as a bird over its eggs bringing forth life. Or in the New Testament, the accompanying word is overshadowed, and always that is accompanied by the idea of bringing forth life. And so you have the Word of God and the overshadowing Holy Spirit, and life springs forth. Very well. Now, this is what I want to look at. When life springs forth, and let's take verse 11, it says, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees on the earth bearing fruit after their kind with seed in them. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants, yielding seed after their kind, and trees bearing fruit with seed in them after their kind. And God saw that it was good. And that very similar goes on to describe the whole of creation. As the life of God called forth out of nothingness, it was with that same expression that I've just read. And in verse 22, it uses the expression, be fruitful, multiply, fill the waters in the seeds. The birds multiply. And so the idea of sprouting plants and multiplying animals. Okay. And then when we come down to verse 26 and the creation of humankind, verse 28 God blessed them and said, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. And to that end, he blessed them. Okay, the principle, that's, uh, hear me, that's not a text I've read. It is simply the beginning of what I want to talk about. And that is 
the the principle of increase and abundance. Wherever you find the Word of God and the life of God spoken, there you find ongoing increase and increase to an abundance of, I could almost say, too much. That that the life of God is always moving forward. The life of God is ever-expanding. The life of God is always more than our mortality can hold. And so the words, even in this first chapter, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. That life of God that has been implanted into the first original creation is a life that must move forward to expand and multiply. Uh, Get what I'm saying here. Have you ever thought about creation? When when God created here in Genesis 1, he only created so many trees and so many birds and grasses and insects and fish and mammals. And then he said, that he, and he said it in his creation word, as he created them, he said that the life that was in them would be seed-bearing and they would bring forth after their own kind. And so God created the, the great mammals. He created the fish. He created the birds and the grasses and the trees and the shrubs and the bushes. But then he said, now you multiply. The life that is in you is a reproductive life. Do you hear that? The life that is in these creatures, these first creatures, the life within them will bring forth after their kind. And what they bring forth will in turn have within it the seed, the after its own kind, and they will bring forth, and they will bring forth. And if you know anything about animals um, like fish and whatever, the, the amount that they bring forth is incredible. The number of fish that are birthed in eggs, is, it's incredible. They, they bring forth a multitude far beyond their person. The life expands. And so when I look at grass today, it came from that original grass of Genesis 1 that brought forth after its kind, and then it brought forth after its kind, and brought forth until it filled the whole earth. And when it comes to mankind, that that is of the creation, yet far above the creation, created to be the friend and fellow of God and to commune with him. It says that mankind was blessed and and to mankind it was said the same thing, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. I'm I'm sorry if I sound excited about this, but I, I am. As I look forward into the, the next months of this incoming year, 
Um, we are called to increase, to multiplication of the life that is within us, to fruitfulness until our lives bend heavy with the fruit of the life, the love of God within us, to fill our world. That, that's what it's saying, and it, it's beginning. The idea is beginning right here in Genesis 1. And unlike the animals, I mean, grass would merely bring forth grass after its own kind. And whales would bring forth whales after their own kind. But mankind, we were created to bring forth other image bearers, others who were made in the image and likeness of God. And we were blessed in so doing. And the word bless, it it means to empower. And so the Holy Spirit is pictured here as hovering over, bringing forth life. Mankind, in union with God, would bring forth image bearers, those made in the image of God. Sin... Sin is the great thief. Sin is the great separator. And the result of sin, mankind lost the blessing. He continued with the life of God. It's incredible. Mankind continued to bring forth those after his own kind. But no longer in union with God. The blessing had gone. Until we come to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, and there the word blessing comes again. And the word to Abraham was that I will bless you. In fact, I will surely, undoubtedly bless you. And God entered into covenant with Abraham. And that covenant life that had the blessing of God continued to increase. In fact, uh, I'm not going to give you all the verses, but if you read through Genesis It was spoken to Abraham, it was spoken to Isaac, it was spoken to Jacob, and the the twelve sons, the word increase, they would increase, they would increase, and nothing could stop them, no one could stop them. There was a life inside of them, a blessed life, that would increase until the purpose of God was fulfilled. Uh, And so it was said to Abraham, that you, the, the, the man who was too old to have children, with a wife who was long too old to have children, but you will increase. You will increase so that you, you will be increased to be like the stars of the sky. You will be like the sand of the seashore. You will increase until through you and your seed all families, every family of the earth shall be blessed. The story of the Old Testament is how Satan sought to stop that increase. It's it's as if the demonized 
persons of the Old Testament, the uh, monarchs, the dictators, the emperors uh, of the various lands around Israel, they were possessed with one idea, to stop Israel's increase. But they couldn't. Pharaoh said, throw every baby into the river Nile, but he still couldn't stop them increasing. They, they, they multiplied, they multiplied. And with their multiplication, the purpose of God continued to go forward. This life that was in that covenant people is, is I say again, a life that by its very nature will increase. And it will increase to the point of going beyond what we could ever imagine. The life of God is never stagnant. The life of God is never still water. It is always running water, flowing water. It's ongoing energy of the personal God. And this shows up in many ways in the Old Testament, but let me give you a couple that you might be familiar with. When Elijah comes to the widow of Zarephath. Do you remember that story? When she has got enough flour left in her bin just to cook one last meal for herself and her child, and there's enough oil in the bottle for that one meal that's left. It's just a handful of flour to produce two or three miserably thin pancakes. And there's just enough oil to do that. And Elijah comes and the challenge was, cook me a meal in faith in my God and you and I will eat to the full until the famine stops. And she did. Although the the barrel never filled up with flour, there was always just that little bit at the bottom of the barrel. There was always just that little bit of oil, but always enough for a jolly good meal for herself and her child and Elijah. And every day at breakfast, at lunch and dinner, she went and she made from that basically empty barrel because the life of God caused an increase. You couldn't get rid of what was in the barrel. It continually, quietly, beyond observation, but it was always enough, always enough. That's what I'm talking about, a life that is increasing, a life that you you cannot stop, a life that will invade our entire natural life. And yet, with no fireworks and no thunder and lightning, but quietly, almost beyond observation, there it is. It's life that is enough. I don't know. I counted it once, but honestly, I forget. But it was nearly 3,000 meals that lady made out of a nearly empty barrel because the life of God was in the flour and in the oil and it you couldn't get rid of it. 
or the widow, again another widow, they were the the most helpless persons in ancient Israel. And, and the widow who was about to lose everything because of the debt, she was about to lose her sons to creditors. And, and so remember Elisha, and he says, well, what do you have? She said, what do I have? And almost mockingly, she said, I've only got this little tiny bottle of oil. I mean, you could put your hand around it and lose it, just a little bottle of oil. He said, that's marvelous. He said, now now get as many containers as you can possibly get from all your neighbors. Anyway, get containers and start pouring. And as she poured the oil, container after container after container was filled from that little tiny bottle. What would he? She could sell it and all her debts paid. And you see, what was that? That little tiny bottle was infused with the life of God, and therefore, in the pouring, it increased and increased, and it only stopped because they ran out of containers. Okay, that, that's the Old Testament, and you get it, and I've only just touched the surface uh, of, of how the life of God promises, and in fact does, increase. In fact, and before I leave it, in Deuteronomy 28, the great passage of blessing. And it is saying, it uses the word blessing, but it, but it's, it's all about this. It says your flocks and your herds, every part of your life, your relationships, and of course, above all your relationship with God, it shall be filled with increase. And so whatever you touch in all of your walk in life, there shall be an ever increase uh, of this covenant life, this loving kindness and this quiet power from God. And from there comes the Bible word prosperous and successful because there is this principle of increase. That's the old covenant. And why do I make so much fuss about this? Because There are so many Christians today that believe that God is the God of decrease. That that God does not want you to have this rising of life within you. He does not want it to be increased through your life and through your lips and through your hands but rather you become a non-entity, just the little fellow who sits at the back and does nothing, going nowhere, unseen in his neighbors and friends because he's a pious, holy man and therefore a nobody. No, that is just not the truth. Do you realize, and I anticipate what I'm going to say, but do you realize that in you, as you sit and listen to me now, there is a life that cannot stop increasing. There is life that is fruitful that would be multiplied. Okay, I was jumping ahead there. At the end of the Old Testament, the the goal of the Old Testament, what it was really all about is Jesus. Jesus, born of the Virgin Mary. 
we do not know really what happened in the teenage years of Jesus any more than we really know what happened between being a toddler and 12. What happened when he was 12 years old in the temple is all we do know. And so there's a sort of desert prior to that. We don't know anything about. And and afterward, there's very little. But that very little is of tremendous importance. It's in Luke, and in chapter 2, and there in the last verse, and, and it says that Jesus increased in wisdom and in favor with God and man. And, and that word increased in that particular place, it's a word that means hacking a path through a jungle where no one has ever gone before. You see, Jesus, how can I put it? Jesus is not stagnant. He's not just sort of bobbing around in a still lake. Uh, He is going forward and he's expanding. He's bringing into existence a kind of human living that had never been seen before. And the word is increased. Increased in a wisdom that persons had never had before. And then when Jesus bursts upon the public scene, although the exact wording is not used, but I think you would agree with me, that as Jesus left the river Jordan, baptized and the Holy Spirit in and upon him, and having triumphed over Satan in the wilderness... He he just comes on the public stage and what happens? But a, a fruitfulness, a multiplication, an increase of the life of God among men. And so you have persons healed by the multitude for the will of God is being done. The fruit of the will of God is not only being done, it's being multiplied it's it's springing up all around wherever he goes. The multitudes are made whole in spirit and mind, in emotions, in their bodies, in all their relationships. I, I think the feeding of the 5,000 is a micro picture, whatever else it is, for it... it Again, it is real bread and real fish that was really multiplied to fill the mouths and stomachs of 15,000-some people. But it also shows what I'm saying. See, he took five loaves. And as I pointed out before, those five loaves were what? we would call it, I suppose, little pita bread, a taco. It was a boy's lunch. And and the five loaves and two fish, the, the fish were not great big haddock or cod. This was just little fish that could make a taco for lunch. And and, and Jesus took them. They, they almost lost in his hands. And he blessed them. That's it. You heard me. He blessed them and... Then he distributed to the twelve 
disciples and you know you you divide that up what they've got in their hand isn't enough for an appetizer and he said now go and feed 15,000 people and as they fed though I say again it was so quiet it's almost difficult to see how it happened as you read the the account but as they were giving it as they broke it off it was enough to feed 15,000 people, 5,000 men plus their women and children. And when all was said and done, it's as there were 12 baskets left over. Because whatever this life of God achieves, it's always, as my African friends would say, plenty too much. In in fact, the word that is used for fullness or increase and abundance in the New Testament describes a cup that's being filled until it is filled absolutely to the brim and then spills over into the saucer. That's the meaning of the word. It's too much. It's too much. As I said, the woman's oil in the Old Testament, it only stopped pouring because she ran out of stuff, uh, uh, barrels to put it in. Um, this is the life of God. The life of God that came finally in the flesh. The life of God that now has a face and a name, Jesus the life of God who is going to come and live within you and I? Huh. Do you understand? As you listen to me today, the life of God within you is enough and to spare for every eventuality, every challenge, every opportunity that the next months hold for you. Oh, what about this one? Jesus told this story, and again, he told many stories that I could use, but this one, he said, the the sower goes out to sow, and, and he speaks of the seed that never made it because of the hindrances, but then the seed that did make it, he said, and it brought forth some 30, some 40, some 60, some 100-fold. That is, he said, the potential One little seed put into the ground had the potential of producing a hundred like itself, to multiply itself, multiply. He said that seed is the word of God. Oh, you don't realize maybe how that excites me. The word of God can multiply in us as it has done for millennia. Now it's our turn. On our watch, the word of God within us multiplies into our life. What one verse of scripture can produce an entire life change in us. But then as we give that away, it produces beyond anything that we could imagine. It became bigger than the sower. It's the word of God, and it has within it, it has within it the power, God power, to bring forth after its own kind. And Jesus, in case we missed it to this point, referred to himself as the ultimate seed. 
And he says in John chapter 12, except a seed fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it falls into the ground and dies, it brings forth much fruit. You get the picture. Jesus said he is that word of God. He is that seed. And he will fall into the ground of death. But in his resurrection, he will reproduce himself as a corn of wheat one little corn of wheat, only now it's produced a hundredfold. Now he says that he, through his death and resurrection, reproduces himself in us over and over again. And then through us, he yet again reproduces himself. And, and through those, he yet again reproduces. And so we can say, for us to live is Christ. Or... As the Old Testament, seeing the death and resurrection of Jesus, had said, of the increase of his government, there shall be no end. I'm sick and tired of hearing people talk about the kingdom of God as sort of on the way out, using their statistics from cable news and... and it's all gloom and doom and it's all finished and over. Please, get a life. Get a life of Jesus. That life cannot stop expanding. As I said, Pharaoh tried to stop it in Exodus. And look what happened to him. And all through the Old Testament, they all tried to stop this life and they couldn't. And Jesus, the final seed of God, word of God, who in his death resurrection brings forth after his kind and says the scripture, of the increase of his government there shall be no end. No one can stop that. And however dark the days may get of the increase of his government there shall be no end. The darker it gets, the more powerful, the more light the increase of light shines. Or in Isaiah 53, again speaking of what he did on the cross and resurrection, it says he shall see the travail of his soul and be satisfied. He shall see what his death and resurrection has accomplished and he'll be satisfied. You see, Jesus is the word of the new creation. See, there was the word of the old creation, and in fact, that was Jesus. Uh, Colossians 1.15 tells us that. But now in, in a far greater sense, the word, that the, the going forth of God's purpose and will is Jesus. And what he has said and who he is and what he's done Therein is the word of God spoken out. And the, the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost to take of that word that we call the gospel, that word who is Jesus. And the Holy Spirit comes upon that word and brings forth after his own kind. Did you hear me? Brings forth after his own kind. Oh, do you know who you are? I mean, really, do you know who you are? 
See, for, for many who would come under the term believer, they really see themselves as someone who's trying to live a sort of moral life. And therefore they define themselves in terms of what they don't do. And every so often at a spring or fall revival in their church, they try to be sorry enough for having screwed it all up and promise to be better. And that's what it could... No, 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 no. A Christian, when you believed upon Jesus... As in baptism, you were incorporated into Christ. You entered into a relationship wherein you actually partook of the life that came out of the tomb in Jesus. And Paul said, I live, yet it's no longer I, it is Christ who lives in me. That's the new creation. The old creation is still all around us, but the new creation is that company of persons who have believed, participated in, partaken of the life of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. That is you, believer. You say, well, I I don't feel very much like that. As I said, this life of God is quiet. This life of God works almost invisibly. And and some of us, because of teaching that we've been given, we're almost too scared to actually say that God is thus working in us. We feel we'd be too proud. But you know what it says in 1 John? It says that Those who are born of God, born again, born with resurrection life, it says the seed of God is in them. The very life of God, using that word seed, which is used in Genesis 1 and all the way through, that seed. And you know what that word is in the Greek language? The seed of God is in the born-again person. That word in the Greek language is sperma. Sperma. Yes, it says the sperm of God is in you. Oh, lose a night's sleep over this. I mean, let this get a hold of you. The very life of God, the sperm of God is in you. That's what new birth means. New birth is not just trotting forward to the front to shake the pastor's hand. It is the Holy Spirit actually birthing in you the life of God. So that that same John said, as he, as Jesus is, so are we in this world. Look, didn't Jesus say it? He said, because I live, you shall live also. Because I live, because I shall rise from the dead, you will share in that resurrection life. I I mean, the very word Christian, today that word is almost a mockery. Again, especially if you hear the way it's used on cable news, but um, Christian, 
It's almost like it's a political party. Uh, the word Christian. Have you ever analyzed the word? C-H-R-I-S-T. Yeah. yeah. Christ. Christians. You realize the word Christian essentially means little Christs, little anointed ones. And while that sinks in, that's why Paul could say of you and I that we are the body of Christ. The body of Christ. Like this is my body. And I don't differentiate between my head and my body. Uh, It's me. And me is expressed through my body. My body tells you what that head, my essential self, is saying. Yes, we're the body of Christ. As he is, so are we. You would never say that my body, you see, lives in a homeless shelter. My head lives in a mansion of the spirit. Don't be daft. Where your head is, there is your body. You would never say that my head is so rich it doesn't know what to do with its money, but my body is starving to death. Of course not. What your head is, your body is. What your head possesses, your body possesses. Where your head is, there is your body. I would never come to you and say, here's my head, my body will be along soon. No, where your head is, there is your body. I use these stupid illustrations to penetrate the religiosity that has blinded our minds to the unbelievable, inexpressible heights to which we have been taken through Jesus Christ. We are Christians. We are his body. His life has been multiplied in you, in you, in you, in me. And we now are the implementers of what he has done and he has finished. We're now putting it into practice. We are the distributors of the life that was made available in Christ and his resurrection. And that life, that word of God, the gospel is in our mouth, in our hearts, And I I don't have to make it so. That gospel, that word of God is potential for unlimited growth, unlimited multiplication, unlimited fruit bearing. And what it produces will be according to what it is after its kind. The... New Testament is, is so full of this that wherever you turn in the New Testament, this is where you're going to end up sooner or later. That uh, their, their whole idea of the Christian life was this constant increase. Let, let me read this to you because it, it, it comes under the heading, I suppose, of the prayers of Paul. But it's hedged about with this whole idea. Let me read it to you. Um, he says, you, you heard, 
He's speaking to the Colossians. He said, you heard the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you. And it is constantly bearing fruit. Now you hear that in the light of everything I've said. Yes, the life, you heard the gospel, that, and now that gospel is reproducing as fruit is the reproduction of the life of the tree. So that gospel is produced. You are constantly bearing fruit and increasing. Since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, And then he goes on to pray for them. What's he going to pray? He said, I I pray without ceasing and ask that you may be filled, which is another word that fits in with this increase, filled to the top and overflowing, filled with the knowledge of his will, nor spiritual wisdom understanding. And so that you go on to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. And that increase will mean strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, going on to love in all its dimensions. Did you hear that? He says that that you are bearing fruit, that this gospel is being seen in the way you talk, it's being seen in the way you act, it's being seen in the motivation of your life. Wherever I look at you, he said, I'm seeing this gospel being made manifest. It's penetrated the way you do your job. Even your boss can see it, even if he hates what he sees. But he has to admit he is seeing Christ in you. And and in the midst of your family, in the midst of this darkness and that darkness, you shine as a light, he said. But now I'm praying that all the more you will be filled up, you will bear fruit, you will continue to increase, because the life of God never stands still. The life of God always moves, moves forward, always, always. Um, and then in, in Thessalonians, in First Thessalonians in chapter 3, and he prays for them and again, he says, May the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another and for all people. So, do, do you understand? I, see, in talking with people, I get the impression that their idea of salvation and the gospel is a very... What? It's stagnant. There's no other word for it. Uh, because you get this thing called salvation. And, and depending on, on what you know beyond that, you know, so, see if, well, I'm a Christian now, and there's a little list of things I can't do, and these are another list of things I'm always promising I will do. No, there's a life in you. And that life must grow and that life in you is is ever going where it hasn't gone before watched a little chap the other day and just just in the last few days has discovered he doesn't have to crawl anymore he can 
stand upright. And once he stood upright, clinging on to the sofa, he found he could put one foot in front of the other. And and now he's pushing it. I mean, any chance he gets, he's up off the crawl and he's trying to walk more and more. Well, what's he doing that for? Because he's human and human life is ever moving forward. It must move forward. He gets up from laying flat on stomach and discovers crawl, then gets up from crawl, discovers two feet, and then discovers one in front of another equals walking. And on, always, the human is ever moving forward. And tragically, of course, within the human life, outside of God, there's hardly any creativity there. And so at about 17 years old, you're done. And that's it. For the rest of your life, you just live your resume over and over again. But human life in Christ is ever moving forward in all fronts, in all dimensions, moving forward, discovering. And so this love of God is is the personal power, personal power of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and that this love it can actually rise within you, spill over. That's what Paul is saying here. It's an increase, an increase. And when he wrote to the second letter to the Corinthians um, in chapter 3, he says, um, I'm sorry, in chapter 1 and verse 3, he said, we give thanks to God always because your faith Listen, your faith is greatly enlarged. And the love of each one of you toward one another grows ever greater. You got that? You got it? He, he says, no, well, I got faith. No, he says, it's greatly enlarged. This faith has grown. It's not enough to say that, well, you know, you've forgiven a few people, you're sort of doing your best. No, it says your love grows ever greater. It's increase. It's increase. That's the life that is in you. Increase. So it speaks of our Christian life as going from glory to glory. Greater, greater. It speaks of going from faith to faith. It speaks of from strength to strength. Well, How do we increase? If this is the life that is in us, and I declare of all you that confess Jesus Christ is Lord, this life in you, this life with the face of Jesus upon it, this life that is placed in you through the Holy Spirit, this life that the Holy Spirit It is the energy of God working in you to will and to do of the pleasure of God. This life is there. How do we increase? How do we fall in with this principle of Scripture that God life must increase? Well, the first thing is basically what I've said in the last 45 minutes, and that is recognize, wake up. Yes, I mean, wake up. Wake up to the enormity of who you are, the life of Christ that is in you, that that will of God within you to expand, to enlarge, to grow even greater. 
Wake up. That Jesus Christ dwells in you through the Holy Spirit. You see, the entire Christian life, start to finish, whole jolly lot, is not natural. You see, you might be naturally loving sort of chap. You don't want to confront. You don't want to have arguments. You're nice. Well, that's not Christian love. That's human love. I suppose you're nice enough to be around, but it's not Christian love. Peace is, again, it's not a natural thing. It's a peace of God that passes human comprehension. Joy is not just being happy. Joy is not just having a good time. No, it's the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit, the fruit, you see, of the Spirit. The fruit of the love, life He's placed within you. For the Spirit is love and joy and peace, but it's not the fruit of my human natural personality, my characteristics. Well, then acquaint yourself that would be good enough for the next few weeks just acquaint yourself with who you are shake hands with yourself get to know yourself in christ who are you this person in whom the spirit of jesus christ lives to reproduce within you and through you the life of jesus and his ministry too become acquainted with who you truly are Or as Paul had to say to the Romans in chapter 6 and to the Corinthians, do you not know? He said to the Romans, don't you know that in baptism you were actually crucified with Christ, buried with Christ, raised with Christ? Don't you know that? The question would beg the possibility that they didn't. And in 1 Corinthians, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Again, uh, they they seem not to. And upon that knowing of who you are according to Scripture and realize this is truth. This isn't a good idea. This is not just some ideal human that, of course, none of us are going to really reach. This isn't something written just for the elite, special persons who come like comets through our space. No, this is talking about very ordinary people. I mean, what those verses I've read to you, they were persons that you could sit down beside and you would melt into the crowd because they'd be just like you. These were people who lived in a city called Colossae. They went to work. They earned a wage. And under that life they lived, some of them didn't even get that. They were slaves. People were dock workers. They worked on loading ships that came in, loading those off there on their way to Corinth. And just very ordinary people, blue-collar workers for the most. No, it's talking about you. So you, this is who you are. And the life described here is not a fantasy. This life is describing the life that is in you coming in potential. So what do we do? We ask. That's those prayers that I read to you. We ask that the Holy Spirit achieve this within us. Why do we have to ask if that life is 
<laughs> such a life in potential because we are not robots he did not put his life in us and then we just like marionettes on a string just respond we are, god is not the great ventriloquist he is he puts his life in us but then we ask that this life increase And I strongly suggest that you take deliberate time to bring your life into focus and ask that there shall be an increase of the life of God, the love of God in all its aspects, an increase of his light within you. Sometimes we need to do that many times a day as we walk into the darkness of a corporate world Lord, let there be an increase of your life. Or another way of putting it, which we haven't even touched on, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled, you see, it's that word again. And notice, as I think I've said to you before, that in the Greek language there, it's be being filled. And so continually, be being filled. And and it's that knowing that that is the potential Knowing that is the now insistent will of God, then let there be an increase, Lord. In this moment, let there be an increase of your life within me. And then we, well, the the, the scripture says, now you do it. You do it. See, you cannot, if you've understood what I'm saying, the love of God within you, you, that Love of God within you wills to increase, abound, enlarge, and grow, and fill your life. That means, maybe, there's a whole bunch of things that are no longer consistent with the central driving life of your being. Bitterness, malice, gossip, revenge, resentment, unforgiveness. Uh, No. That is not consistent with who you now truly are. Rather, I put it off, says Ephesians and Colossians. You put it off. You fling it from you as a coat that no longer fits in a coat that's now crawling with lice. That's the picture of the word. You, you put it off. Well, how, how can you? This isn't a New Year's resolution. This is putting it away from you in the increase of the life of the Holy Spirit within you. And you act in the faith that you are heard. And you put on the divine love and gentleness and kindness. And you forgive even as you've been forgiven. And you do it in the strength of him who lives within you. And you're enlarged, and there's, you're no longer the person you were. You can look back over a year and say, by the grace of God, I am not what I was. And by the grace of God, I am not yet what I will be. For there's been increase, and there will be yet more increase. And then you give it away. You begin to forgive as you've been forgiven. Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. You are to forgive, says the scripture, as God in Christ has forgiven you. 
You give it away. You give love away in a thousand different ways. In word, in look. To see people as God sees them. And you, you who are a believer, can lay hands upon the sick and give them that healing love. Give it away. And as you give away, so it returns to you. That, that's, uh, let me read as a closing I- idea here. Uh, Jesus says, Give and it will be given to you. And of course, this scripture has often been used uh, of giving money, which of course it includes, because you cannot love without sharing <laughs> your, your, your money. Um, that, that, that's taken for granted, but it, it encompasses all of life. Give your very life. Give love. Find every opportunity to leave a deposit of love in the persons you are close to. Give and it will be given to you. As you give, you find there's an expansion. It's given to you. And it says they'll pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about here, but there were days when you went to the farm and, and they, you, you, you held out your shirt and they poured in the wheat and then you, you'd shake it and let it settle in and they'd pour in more and they'd press it down and pour in more. And that, that, you went home with, with this in your, in your lap that's what he's talking about here. He says, you, you are going to get back with a bonus. You're going to get back with blessing added to. For your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. Everything in God's creation is in the act of giving. So there it is. You are the light of the world. Let your light shine. Understand you were created to expand. You were created to to exceed and go beyond and ever grow in the life who is Christ, who is your life. The blessing of the Lord be with you all.